0: Welcome to the Inkfeather podcast, which explores the worlds of sci-fi and fantasy books through those who bring them to life. Every other week, we chat with authors and industry pros about their books, including new releases and old favorites. I'm Lauren, and this is episode 38, where we chat with bestselling author Patricia Briggs. So Patricia Briggs is the author of the Mercy Thompson series and the Alpha and Omega series uh, which are both set in the same world and the newest book in these which in the Mercy Thompson series is Smoke bitten which is out 317 uh, 20 so St Patrick's Day of 2020 and it's excellent uh, this interview we do touch on the new book but I wanted to bring this up right now we, If you haven't read this series, if you haven't read these books, this is actually a great interview to listen to because we do talk a little bit about things specific to the series, but she really goes into mostly what it's like plotting planning writing developing a long-running urban fantasy series so if you're a writer this is an excellent episode to listen to because every author writes differently she talks about that too she compares and contrasts her style to others in her genre she's a genuine fan of the genre so it's really fun to hear like oh yeah by the way when i read this series so there's a lot of that in this episode too but just a lot of insight of what it's been like to write these books, kind of the origin story of them, um, character development, where she got some ideas, what it's been like. It's really, It was a really fun episode because we just sort of fell down this rabbit hole of urban fantasy and it was great. Uh, if you haven't read this series and you are curious and you want to keep listening, there were a few kind of characters and things that we talked about. That I want to just mention here to kind of give you some guidelines, just if you're going in, you kind of have at least some idea of what we're talking about. So the main character, Mercy Thompson, she is a shape-shifting coyote person, and she also is a mechanic and owns a shop and works mainly on uh, German automobiles, so mainly VWs. So she's a VW mechanic. She bought that shop off of her friend Z, who is a fae. Um, and Z still helps out in the shop occasionally. He is one of the few Fae who can work with iron. He's a special kind. So it's Z, and then also his son Tad helps in the shop as well. And Tad's kind of a strong side character too. So he's kind of like college aged and um, shows up in the series. So we talk about both Z and Tad in this episode. We also talk about Adam, who is Mercy's husband, uh, and he is a werewolf. He is head of the local werewolf pack. So uh, he's a really fun and interesting character, and he actually has a lot of interesting things that happen to him in this series. Uh, Also, we talk about Warren, who is another werewolf. It's his Mercy's best friend. Um, He's pretty cool. Uh, He's in the pack as well. And then another person we refer to actually a few times in this episode is Stefan or Stefan, depending on how you want to say it. He is a vampire. He is Mercy's friend. Uh, He's kind of this like melancholy yet delightful and funny totally down-to-earth vampire dude who literally i think the first time you see him he's dressed like i think i say in the interview like a gen x or he's wearing like baggy jeans with a hole in them and a band t-shirt and like converse tennis shoes (laughs) while they work on his van so uh but he's a he's a really strong side character as well and a good friend of mercy's and then um elizaveta is another name that we mentioned and she is kind of a witch that had some really strong plotline stuff running through, especially the past few books. But mainly the ones that maybe need some clarity were Warren and Stefan and Adam. So they're kind of, you know, friends and family and related to Mercy in various ways. And so, yeah, uh, that gives you a little bit of insight. But like I said, we really don't talk. Surprisingly, we don't go into super, super detail in this new book. We just sort of dig into the world. And it's, it's a really cool interview. I was listening back to it and just going, man, we just it was just like, literally like sitting down and having coffee with someone you haven't seen in a really long time, and you're really excited about their books, and they're really excited to tell you about their books, and we just go from there. So it's a really fun interview to listen to. So on my end, back to the grind, holidays are over. Um, I've been kind of immersed in the stages of my business right now, the, the, the spring plans that I've been working on. One of the big things, I think I've mentioned this in a previous interview, is I'm in the process of putting together a really cool project that is a adult coloring book. Um, I had a friend I told that to and he's like, what, like naked people? No, not that kind of adult. Like adult humans can color that kind of adult coloring book. <laughs> uh, basically, where I'm I'm getting a, a handful of artists, I think I have about 20, who are going to be taking my fantasy photography and turning it into a coloring book. So wait till you see this, the lineup of these guys. It's It's incredible. Basically, if you've ever done a book box, most likely at one point or another, this these artists have been featured in various book boxes. That's basically how I found most of them is I like these different subscription boxes. Ooh, who did the art for this random mug? And then I found them and then I found other friends through them. And so a lot of them already know each other. And um, yeah, it's a pretty impressive lineup uh, of people. It's still in the process and um, – you're not sure quite when the release date is cuz i'm actually going to try to get it in a subscription box which would be cool or like a variation of it. So we're going to have to sync up with that and it's all still in the works but it's a really fun project. And it's been very cool to see what uh which of my photography pieces the artists connect with. So they've it's been fun for them. Out of all of the 100 options they have, these are the two they picked and why they picked them. So that's been very fun for me. Uh It's also really intriguing because some of my favorite ones that I've ever shot that I connect with the most are still in the running and I'm pretty much down to the bottom people. And so I just find that fascinating that the the pieces that I personally like the most, I mean, I like them all, but the ones that I just really connect with are still not chosen so i i just think it's a fascinating a fascinating thing art is so it's so subjective and i that's one of the reasons i love it and that's one of the reasons it's wonderful to do collaborations because i don't know if any of you listening if you're creative people if you like to do art in any fashion whether that's writing or that's drawing or that's any sort of creation of anything community over competition is always the way to go um, it might be scary sometimes if you see people who you think are better than you. Maybe they won't want to talk to you. Maybe you feel threatened by them. Nine times out of 10, people are awesome and really nice and friendly and love to make connections. And I can hands down say that some of my best art is the art that I made when I was working with other creatives. It wasn't just me by myself, whether it was working with designers and or other photographers, we each brought different things to the table. Um, and so a project like this where we're kind of Meshing our work together, it's been nothing but a joy. So I cannot wait to bring that to you guys. Um, some of the pictures, actually, a lot of the bird based photos that might be in the coloring book are actually in my Etsy store. So if you're curious, you can go check those out. Uh, my Etsy shop is Ink Feather Shop. And actually, I put really cool bookish things in there recently. I wanted to make sure I mentioned them. I have been making fused glass sun catchers. So it is basically glass that's cooked in a kiln. There's multiple steps. I cut the glass. I put it together, cook it in a kiln overnight, and then I put all the pieces together at the end. There's also the special printing paper that I can actually print Things on paper and then put it on the glass, and the paper part cooks off in the kiln and leaves the ink behind, fused to the glass, which is really cool. So I've been making these little, like two inch by three inch, two inch by five inch, depending on you know which size you get, uh, sun catchers for your windows that say "I read past my bedtime" or "I'd rather be reading." Uh, and then there's some that say like "There be dragons," and some have fairies on them and mermaids and lots of owls, books, that kind of thing. So. Just fun, colorful sun catchers. Um, You know, one of the things behind it was we all who collect bookish things, we usually run out of wall space pretty quickly between our bookshelves and also getting prints and various things like that. So, a sun catcher is something that we can put on our windows. It's still a way to connect with your, you know, bookish side and still bring some new color and art into your room, but in a unique way. So, I have about 24 of those on my uh, Etsy store right now. They're all (laughs) They're all independently unique because I kind of deal with the scraps from my, my aunt owns a glass business and I use her extra bits and pieces to, to put these together. So I never quite know what colors I'm going to get. So they're always a little different and which is really kind of fun for me too, because then every single one is like a new fun art project. So yeah, if you're curious, you can go check those out. Like I said, they're in my Etsy store, which is the Ink Feather Shop. On the bookish front, I have read a ton since my last episode. So I read Crescent City, which was great uh, and which was very different from – it still felt like Sarah, though. I will say one of the things that Sarah J. Maas does really well, I think, is – writing groups, writing multiple voices all at once. Uh, I think she does a really good, she gives really good clarity on voice and, you know, personality traits and can do large groups together at once and still have them all feel independent. And I felt that very strongly in this book as well, which was really fun. Um, totally different world, totally different characters, but it was really cool. Red Chain of Gold, finally. Uh, five-star read. It is like the best Shadowhunters book ever, I think. <laughs> I mean, people obviously has different opinions, but it, it has everything you want in a Shadowhunters novel. It has really cool, you know, turn of the century time period stuff. There's great demon activity. Of course, there's wonderful love interest stuff and like love dynamics there. Great characters, great new crew. I, I couldn't say more wonderful things about it. It is excellent. If you like the Shadowhunter books, you have not read it yet, pick it up now. It is excellent. I was also lucky enough to get an advanced copy of Aurora Burning, which is the second aurora rising aurora cycle book uh by amy kaufman and jay kristoff uh it is just as good as the first one uh it comes out in may so you definitely should add that to your list if it is something you like if you like the first one a lot it's got the snarky voices and the humor uh high stakes lots of action lots of good kind of romance and sexual tension and development with you know characters trying to figure things out it's <laughs> it was a really good read so definitely recommend that one um I read a utterly delightful romance novel uh, the other day, which I someone described it in the in the Goodreads as charming as hell, and they could not have been more accurate. It is Well Met by Jen Deluca. It came out I think in the fall, and it's basically uh, a rom com book that kind of takes place in the Renaissance fair over the summer, which is hilarious. And it's just, the characters are great and it's so light and fun and just an excellent, easy read. So if you're a romance fan, definitely check this one out. It's really great. Gosh, I literally have like seven books <laughs> right now that I just listed, but there's a lot, you know, a lot of good books on my plate and, uh, we just got a proof for another one on NetGalley. galley. So it's just, oh my gosh, there's just so many. Like I said last time, the to be read pile is endless. Uh, but no, that's kind of what's been happening here. Okay, so now to the interview with Patricia Briggs, and I really hope you enjoy it. Hi, Patty, welcome to the Ink Feather Podcast. Hi, Lauren. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast today. I am really excited to have you. It is long overdue. I am a big fan of the series that we're talking about today, the Mercy Thompson books. Um, we are here to talk about Smoke Bitten, which is book number 12 in the series. It comes out. Three seventeen twenty. So what? That's St Patrick's Day, isn't it? That is St Patrick's Day. Yes. Yeah. It's very appropriate, right? right? <laughs> yes, it is. Um. And so it, we're we're talking a little bit before it comes out. So for those of you listening who haven't read these books, um, or if you're into the series but you don't want any spoilers, we're not going to go super deep. We just discussed it before we started recording. We're not going to do any major spoilery things. It's going to be more just talking about the series and writing and things like that. So, um, yeah. So be sure to stick around. We won't. We promise. If we decide to say something crazy, epically spoilery, we'll we we'll warn you guys. So
1: right, we, we won't tell, do things like Rose the, the the Let's see, Rosebud is the sled, right? Yeah. Those kinds of things.
0: <laughs> yeah. I so when I was preparing for this interview, um, I just out of curiosity, I was like, oh man, book twelve. Uh, I looked, and it's been fourteen years since this book series right? started. I mean. It's got to feel insane to be that long into the same series with the same characters. How does it feel like when you think, "Oh God, 14 years"? Well, you know, it mostly feels really good because I like the readers.
1: I've been with them for to these characters for 14 years, and um, it's like stepping back. I'm very comfortable. It's it's like stepping when I ever start a new book. It's just like stepping back in with a bunch of my um, imaginary friends, and we mm-hmm. have a good time. Um, I'm not going to say that sometimes I don't go, oh, it'd be so much easier if I just had a whole new cast of characters, and then I could do something just really different with them, and someday I probably will do that as just just throw in a book about something else, but for the most part, um, just, I'm really interested in what's going to happen, and I hope you guys are too, and um, I like that I have so many characters I can pull in that have full life stories behind them without having the series so full that I can't pull in new characters now and then too. It's really fun.
0: I really enjoy it. I was going to say, you really do have a good balance of that because you do have your kind of core cast of main. I mean, we have Mercy, obviously she's our main, and then there's this inner circle around her that we usually see. Um, if they're not actively in the book, they're usually least mentioned by name. Um, and then obviously, like you said, new characters coming in all the time, but it is like the quintessential urban fantasy series, which It's just such a delight because um, if you're listening to this and you haven't read what is technically defined as urban fantasy, I I would define it as something that takes place in our world, kind of contemporary modern day times, but with vampires, werewolves, magic, fae, that kind of thing. And um, Mm -hmm. usually there's murder mysteries oftentimes. Would you think that's a good descriptor of urban fantasy? I think that's a really good descriptor of urban fantasy. And, you know, it's gone
1: through a number of sea changes. When I first heard the term, they were talking about people like Charles DeLint, who was amazing, and Tim, um, I just lost his name, Tim Powers, and uh, people like that. Um, uh, Mercedes Lackey had her Serrated Edge series where it's just, you know, magic interposed in the urban centers, and that's what it was about. And then it kind of took a sea change, and it it happened with a little bit of the – I think Tanya Huff did it about 10 years before anybody else did with her Blood Tie series, and um, but uh, and Laura Clay Hamilton, of course, made it popular, and Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer made it popular. Um, and so it's a very different feeling than the original urban fantasy was, but that's the title they have stuck on our genre, and I'm okay with that, even though my my stories don't really really take care take place in an urban environment
0: so To speak, yeah, I mean, tri cities are small, small city places, it's
1: small urban, yeah, but, and the, but the often Omega series is set in the backwoods of Montana, <laughs> that is a, true,
0: just, right? Yes, that is true. That's and for those of you who aren't sure what that is, the Omega series is in the same world, but it is set in um a different werewolf pack's family, kind of the one of the main characters from that other pack who is a side character in this series. It's his story and his kind of journey so same world same kind of there's some crossover of characters but it's kind of fun to kind of read these two separate storylines and get some insight into Charles and his whole experience (laughs) so (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah oh no but you're right I mean Montana is not urban by by any stretch of the imagination but it does fit that vibe and I was just gonna say because that was one of my questions was if it had changed the the feeling of it or the creating of it over the years you've been writing and um yeah I guess I've always ever thought of it as this definition, um, which is really interesting too. Right. And, and I would have to say it has changed because in the beginning,
1: a lot of the attraction, well, how do I say, I'm not sure this, I'm not sure the genre has changed so much as the reasons people go to it have changed. Mm. It used to be um, when, you know, when the first time I, I read it with, you know, Laura Hamilton mm-hmm. and, and Tanya Hoff, it was really interesting to see these Horror, you know, the villains from the horror shows be turned into main characters who have lives and have, um, and who are heroes in some cases. So yeah. It's almost like almost like a super uh, like a superhero instead of uh, horror. But the horror is still there. There's still there's still that element of scary and yeah. and blood and gore and things and and it just makes it a real. It's an interesting mix. It's a really fun place to write. I have so much fun and, and, and never, uh, there is never any time when I feel like, oh, I'm running out of material. That just doesn't happen
0: hmm yeah I mean that makes sense I'm just I chuckled a little bit when you were saying that cause I'm you're going oh no can we blame Laurel K. Hamilton for the sexy vampire is she the founder of not, <laughs> not really? no
1: no, the, no no the sexy vampire goes all the way back to
0: Dracula really of course I know um, but just the way you said that I was but, like oh it's John Claude of course it is you know <laughs> oh Tom Claude is awesome <laughs> yeah just... and and really um
1: you know Tanya Huff's I've forgotten the name of her her um Henry John Tanya Huff's Henry is again another very sexy vampire. In fact, he write he wrote bodice rippers back in the days when there were bodice rippers, <laughs> and there were um, those are awesome too. But I, I was I was a big fan of the books when there were not very many people writing them. Yeah, when it really was just kind of a little niche.
0: Well, and you're able to explore these, you know, tropes that are known for these, you know, mythological. People, vampires, werewolves are specifically the two I'm thinking of at the time ahead. Obviously, the Fae, too, but like the, Mm -hmm. you know, you even challenge that when you have like the Iron Kissed Fae who are okay with iron because one of the main characters in the book is Z, who is like an auto mechanic and is up in cars all the time because he's not having issues with, with the iron. So there's fun ways to challenge it. And, you know, I'm thinking too, like, Stefan. Isn't like overtly sexy, but I kind of dig him. You know, like he's like a right? vampire oh, character. I am like, <laughs> you. you know, but I think it's because you dress him kind of like like a Gen Xer,
1: <laughs> honestly. Well, and and he's 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 a, he's a really tra- a tragic character, I think, to me, yeah. because he is a hero. That's who he is. But he made this one decision to become a vampire, uh, which means that he has to kill people for yeah. his own gain which means he cannot be a hero. So he, he, and, and and he to, he has trouble adjusting to that, and that makes him, to me, a very interesting character to write and to write about. And um, I have a lot of people who really, really love him, and yeah. they get mad at me when he doesn't appear in books yeah. or if I hurt him too badly. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: He was the one I was thinking of specifically when you're like, even if he's not in the book, his name usually comes up once or twice. Like, he yes. is a periphery but, like, a strong side character. So, yeah, but, like, obviously, you know, Mercy is – The anomaly even within this world because she's a you know coyote shapeshifter native american Mm -hmm. heritage and it's such an interesting kind of dynamic to play with the traditional werewolf tropes which is who her mate is versus what she can do and how they're dynamic in the again quintessential werewolf dominance issues and how mercy's just like yeah no not happening i don't that doesn't work on me and all of that so it's fun to read it is fun to read for sure it's really fun to write (laughs) And I, 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 um, Mercy is probably
1: the first character where I actually sat down and planned out a character I thought could carry out a long running series. Hmm. Because I knew um, when they asked me, when Penguin asked me to write an urban fantasy series, I knew um, that it was going to be at least two or three books. And so that that gives you a lot more um, impetus, I think, as a writer to sit down and go, okay, what kind of character? Could I continue to write over a long period of time? Yeah, and um, for me, that's I need somebody who's underpowered rather than overpowered. There are some really wonderful, powerful characters out there. Alona Andrews does amazing job with super powerful characters. A Jim Butcher, yeah, he's my, he's um, my and Harry didn't start out there, but but yeah, I know, right? Uh, he's awesome. And he and I just I read his book that's coming out in man it's so good. I'm so excited. Oh. Um,
0: anyway, I will. Uh, you know, so that's my plug. You guys. Oh, are oh trust me. I think I'm going to try to get Jim on the on the podcast. Peace Talks is the next but, twist and Files books coming out and it's just people are really excited. Oh, about and it.
1: he's super. He's super fun. If you get him on the podcast and you can tell him this is from me, you make him tell you about him getting cursed by a witch doctor. Okay,
0: I absolutely will. Jim was
1: cursed by a witch doctor. It's amazing. It's just like something out of Harry Dresden. It's, it's, <laughs> you know. I love it. No, he's and he's super nice, and he's he's a great deal of fun, and he is um, a wonderful storyteller. out loud as well as between pages but for those of you who have not read Jim butcher go give yourself a treat read them all if you haven't if you have um this book coming out is really freaking amazing but if he doesn't write another one if it takes him this long to write another one i might go camp on his doorstep
0: you and for all of us readers the the dresden (laughs) army i think you know i i mean but that's just it and this is honestly this is one of the reasons i love interviewing authors especially like when you love your genre, because literally we've spent as much time right now talking about other books and authors that we both love as opposed to like, we're here to well, talk about mercy, which we are talking about, but it's like, by the right. way, Jim does this cool shit in this book. You should go read it or like whatever, right, you know, right. exactly,
1: exactly. No, but I think that's, I think that's, that's the important point, isn't it? Right. That we writer, we writers are all readers first. Yes. It's a cliche that, that, you know, somebody, uh, was it James Fenimore Cooper who read something. he was, oh, I can write that. And that's how he started writing. I don't quite have that attitude. It's like, oh, I love this stuff, and they're not writing fast enough, or I want to write this about this person, or I would have done it differently, and pretty soon, there you are yes, um, with a book in your hands, but but we're readers first. I, w- I read books way before I ever started writing yeah. books.
0: Yeah, it's, it is really fun, and I love that, and, and this is one of the things I love about books too. It's like, okay, so I love the urban fantasy genre, but you can have all of these books that fit within this genre, and they all have... All of these like elements that we talked about, there's usually magic, there's usually right. some kind of a murder or a mystery, there's usually vampire slash werewolf slash fae in some various combination, mm-hmm. yet they're all fresh, they all have a different voice, they all have a different story that is are all equally entertaining in different ways so and i think the urban fantasy genre benefited so much that the early writers were all super good storytellers
1: Mm. so people go oh i love urban fantasy and what they mean is that i love really good storytelling so jim butcher charlaine harris uh kim harrison uh laurel k hamilton uh, especially laurel k hamilton who kind of carried this but tanya huff these are all superb storytellers absolutely superb storytellers and, and so people would start reading them. And in the early days, that's all that was available were these really good stories. Mm. So, people, so people got attached to them because in the end, all stories are about people. Yeah. And as long as you don't forget that, it doesn't matter what genre you're writing in. Although I will say fantasy in general, not just urban fantasy, but fantasy in general, I love because I can write any kind of book I want to. I'm not, if, I wrote, if I were writing the romance genres, there's only so much you can do without pulling it too far out of the genre and getting your readers unhappy. But with fantasy, it's just as long as the story turns on, um, on magic, and in urban fantasy, as long as it turns on magic set in a real world, then you can write any kind of story you want to. You can write a thriller. I read a, um, The Hour of the Wolf, I think, by Robert McCameron. I'm trying to rem- I know it was Robert McCameron. I think that's the name of the book, okay. which was this wonderful adventure Nazi story about werewolves. And oh. it came out, I don't know, probably in the late 70s, early 80s sometime. And if you can run it down, copy. It's really fun. But so, so there's a thriller, right? A, yeah. a World War Two thriller set w- around werewolves. Or um, you can just do anything that you want to. It's such an open – people ask me all the time, are you going to get tired of it? I'm going, oh, no, how could you get tired of it? Because you can do
0: anything, yeah. literally anything you want to. I can do a Western, you know? I'm just sitting here thinking even like this book – Which is book 12, we kind of have murder mysteries happening, or like people are dying, Mm -hmm. and why are they dying? Mm -hmm. And there's magic, but we don't know who it is. And then, you know, I'm even thinking, like you said, Laurel. Serpentine that came out last year was also the same kind of thing. Like people were dying; they have no idea why, and everyone went down for this wedding. But also, there were murders happening. Like it, you know, it it kind of. And this is how many books into these series that this is happening. So absolutely, and it's it's cool that that is an option to play with. And I love hearing that from you, as someone who has written this series. And like, is it you know monotonous twelve books in? And obviously, not for the reader. I feel like. Um, I was saying, for those of you listening, I was saying to uh, Patty before we started about how I recently did all of the other Mercy books, basically back to back. This was probably right around the, the new year um, and how I just, you know, I've already read them all. And I was like, I just loved them. It was such a great, enjoyable read. And it's because you know, there's just so much that happens and they, the books just build on each other. And like you said, now you have this complex world to play in, but you have these fully developed characters that you can be like, OK, what's going to happen now? And I love that that is a thing. I and my imaginary friends say thank you very much, but <laughs> and I will
1: also say there's a lot of power in a long-running series, hmm. so I can do very subtle things, and people pick up on it, and I can, you know, if, if I have, um, I have to be a little careful, because I don't want anybody traumatized after reading my books. I know we pu- published this, I'm not going to give you a spoiler, but I'll say we, we, we um, Uh, On my Facebook page, we posted the first chapter of this book, Smoke Mitten, that's coming out. And there were a whole bunch of people who just really were horrified that Mercy was unhappy. And I have to say, you would not like books in which all my characters had happy, happy, joy, joy lives because it wouldn't be interesting. I wake up every day in the morning, and I'm so grateful that I'm a writer because I enjoy my life very much. And I'm even more grateful that I'm not the protagonist of an urban
0: fantasy series. Girl, you preach well. that right there. <laughs> Let me tell you what. <laughs> the more miserable they are, the better it is to read. And it's terrible. But I mean, the same. It's like, I want the happy ending for Mercy. I want the happy me ending too. for Stefan and for Adam and for all of them. But the story, the yeah. journey is not an easy one. And for me, reading those opening pages, it was very much like, oh, God. Oh, and what's wrong? What is happening? And then I was like, oh, no. And it's relationship issues. But how is it going to fix itself? How is how is it going to or not fix itself? Or what does that mean? Or how is this going to proceed? So that makes it enjoyable reading.
1: Well, well, for me, I think it's very important that all of these characters have essentially happy lives, that really terrible things happen in the in the in the middle of it, just like happens to real people. yeah life is rough people I mean terrible things happen I think one of the jobs of a writer is to remind people that there are good times and bad times yes and that there are ways to get through good bad times that that don't destroy you and that if terrible things happen to you you can still put your feet on the floor and go up and maybe you're not the same person as you were to start out with but you're good you know it's still good yeah. and I think that's a really important um component of being a writer to me. Now, every, every writer is different, but to me, it has always been very important that whatever trauma I put you through in a book and, and it's my job to put you through a lot of trauma as a, uh, put readers through a lot of trauma because, because otherwise you wouldn't be reading an urban fantasy. Um, but at the very end, you need to be in a better place than you were when you picked up the book. I feel like that's my job and and that's that's something that's very important to me as a human being. I don't want to leave my friends in a worse place than they were when they joined me.
0: Yeah. That's very valid. So
1: that doesn't mean I won't I won't traumatize the heck out of you on the way through.
0: <laughs> but I mean, but <laughs> that's, that's also my job. But that also makes it for riveting reading. You know, for on our end, it's just mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? Especially now that we're this far in. That's why I write is because I want to know what happens too. Do you have a a broad outline for the series? Like as you're working along, do you have kind of ideas for an ending? Like I know Jim has talked about he has like this kind of general idea. He's gonna do like a trilogy climax of the series for Dresden. And like I know he's kind of got a broad broad strokes of it, I think. Do you are you do you have like broad strokes for Mercy and Adam, or are you just sort of seeing what the stories tell you?
1: Yeah, so um
0: I know every all of us write differently.
1: I will say I have so much respect for Jim. The fact that he was giving us hints for changes, which was Supposed to be the the in book of the series and we all clamored and I think by that time he wanted to keep writing them too
0: hmm.
1: but he had he knew what was going to happen like it, there are hints like two second and third book yeah, in the series I know it's insane that carry through to changes and you know that he put them in there on purpose because he knew what changes was going to be mm-hmm. I can't do that quite as much I I tend to if I know what's going to happen I I I'm, I'm anxious. I want to see what happens, yes. but um, that doesn't mean that I don't pull things through. I have, uh, as I'll be writing, I'll go, that's an interesting idea. I'm going to use that in a future book. And then I have that in my head for a mm. long time. Um, the whole thing with the, and this is not a spoiler because it was in the last couple of books, the whole thing with the Heart of the Witches, I knew about for a long time. Yeah. And I knew, I knew some of the things that, um, you know, the things, Burn Bright is in the Alpha and Omega series. I knew all of this stuff that was coming through as revelation to people. I knew that like back at the very beginning. And I know some secrets about characters that I know about that, that really determine how they act and what they do Mm. that um, readers don't know about yet. So for instance, the character Sherwood post that I stuck in fire touched and I got some reviewers who were like, what is this character doing? He comes in and then he doesn't really have a big role in the book. And I, but it's because he had to be there then because he had to come in before they broke with brands pack Mm -hmm. that's because after that brand couldn't put any more people in there and there's and and so i had to put him in there so um so there's some some things like that so there's, there's a few character threads a few um things i know about different characters that nobody knows yet and maybe they'll never come out in the book and i'll be i'll be honest sometimes maybe i'll forget about them and i'll be i I tend to reread my books on audiobooks, too, hmm. rather than read them in paper. Because if I'm reading in paper, I, I find that I shuffle through and I don't pay attention. But when I'm listening to audiobooks, I have to pay attention. That that does mean for good or ill. <laughs> when I do something stupid in the book and it makes an it incredible. I you're like, kind of crazy. Oh. Yeah, right, right. Oh, I'm going to fast forward through this section. But it reminds me of things that I meant to do and I can pull in. So some of the things that I pulled in the last couple books. Happened because I went back and listened to the audio books, the earlier books, and said, "Oh, wait a minute! This is a really good thing, and I need to pull it through all the way through to its conclusion." Well, and I was going to so, say, like
0: the stuff that happened with Elizaveta in the last book, which was mm-hmm. primary basically to the plot. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's been a long-running character in the series. Was she? In, she's oh, in one uh, of the, was sure. the first book or one of the first books? She's all. I mean, she's been a very first side book. character, in but the first she, book. yeah, she's right. been around. She was a witch that kind of helped them out, and she was always kind of there. So. And I knew this about, well, I knew that she was going to have a big story. I did not
1: necessarily know the way the story was going to turn out mm-hmm. because, because for a long time. Um, so for those of you who have not read, um, uh, Stormcursed, plug your ears. Um, so this is, I, this is not a, sm- a smoke bitten spoiler, but if you haven't read the book before that, this might be a spoiler for you. Um, I didn't know whether it would be that she would whether she would turn out to be a a hero or a villain. Mm -hmm. And I thought she had to tell me that. And it was when I was writing Silence Fallen and she came on screen or on stage in a big way in Silence Fallen that I realized that she had already made her choice. Yeah. Um, And I know it sounds kind of uh, oogie boogie. When you talk to ri- re- writers, and I know that it's not just me, no. and they talk about what the characters do. and the voices, the, yeah. But there, but there really is a sense in a story of things that will make the story better and stronger and things that will weaken it and, and make it trite and make it um, um, not realistic. And as you're writing, if you decide to make the wrong choice when you're writing the story and you break the story, I don't know about other writers but I can't finish the story I have to go back and figure out where it was That I made the choice that was the easier choice for me Instead of the one that the story needed to go The direction the story needed to go
0: I think about that even with like With like Christopher Paolini's Inheritance Cycle He told, he said like Eons ago when he first wrote the initial Trilogy in his mind Like the ending was Mm -hmm. different than how it ended up But when he got Mm -hmm. there Who they were and who they had become Through those stories, he couldn't in, he couldn't honor them who they actually are if he stuck to the original ideas so that doesn't mean right. that the ideas aren't going to come out perhaps in the future but at that moment right. it wasn't right and and people right. got really upset with them because they wanted this like perfect 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 ending and not that it was a right. bad ending by any means but it's the same idea right. of like I have to listen to these characters and who they told me they are and, and honor that and and, if I, and 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 you know it makes
1: people unhappy but it also makes the story not bland yeah Stories that, stories that are too perfect, that end too perfect, um, it, it end up not being the stories that you remember. There are some weird things that have happened to me when I write books. So I usually write books. It takes more or less nine months for me to write a book. And if I finish a book in less time than that, it just means I can't write another book until <laughs> nine months has passed. Because my brain just – that I, it, I just – for some reason, that's the way I process stories. Um But I was writing The Dragon Bones. This is back, way back when, and I was not as experienced a writer. And I just had in my head this scene of this guy sitting on the side of a mountain, and there's these beautiful big bronze doors set into the side of the mountain that you can't open. And so I started out the story there, and I kind of forgot about the bronze doors, I'll be honest, you know, nine months long. And I got towards the end of the book, and I realized I couldn't end it the way I wanted to end it. And that I was actually going to have to have this big, tragic ending. And I don't do tragic endings. Because as I said, I feel like that one of my jobs is to put people in a better place. And that's when I figured out what the bronze doors were for. Hmm. And I had totally forgotten about them. But my subconscious had <laughs> stuck them in there for a very good reason. <laughs> and and, uh, and um, it was it was one of those weird um, moments in which you realize that your subconscious really and truly is a different person than you are. <laughs> mm.
0: That's so cool, though. I mean, that's the best thing about art, though, Like, and being a creative. It's like people oftentimes, projects simmer for months or years, and they're on that mm-hmm. back burner just sort of stewing. And it doesn't mean you don't, okay. you know, dip the spoon in, spin it around. Is this done yet? In not quite I'll leave it for a little while yeah. and you, you know or or like by the way this has been cooking back here and now it's time to put it in or whatever so I have, I am, I'm in the middle of a short story. I, I don't have,
1: thank goodness I don't have a book that's in there right now. But I have a short story that I started writing for the Shifting Shadows anthology. So that's, I don't know, three or four years ago. Um, and that's just, a, I just grabbed that out of the ether. I have no idea how long ago it was. But it was, it was a short story I meant to put in there. That was the story of Tad, Z's son Tad, and what happened to him when he went to college yes. and why he came back changed. And I, ha- I know what it is. And I have that book, that story about halfway done, and I keep pulling it up and starting and I'm going, "Nope, that's not quite right, and I have to go put it down and try again. Mm-hmm. So eventually you guys will get that story, but not until it's just right until the until um, I can get the nuances just right because that's an important story to me. I hope hopefully it will be for you, and I just need it to be as uh, impactful and important as uh, so that it would cause the kind of changes that Tad went through
0: well and again as the reader who enjoys Tad as a character and hears mercy talk oh gosh, she mentioned it even in this book I remember it, like when mm-hmm. one of the first mm-hmm. chapters just being like yeah he's not the same he left college and he left left his smile at college or something along those lines you said right. and I was just right. thinking like man this poor dude I wonder what happened to him like and and, and I right. wouldn't want that story shortchanged you know I would I tattoos we owe him better than that you know like if I can't if I can't do it well in a way that I really
1: like I won't do it yeah um because I and and I'll just let readers have that story in their head and make it up but I think I think it's coming I mean it's it's one of those things but you were talking about stories that are stuck midway and there we are
0: I hope you're enjoying this interview with Patricia Briggs. I just want to remind you guys again about my Etsy store. It is the Ink Feather Shop on Etsy. And I have signed swag by all kinds of authors, Uh, All the authors that were in my fantasy calendars, I have signed swag. Some have book plates. Most of them have signed prints. There's also bookmarks. There's uh, postcards. And they're all basically photos I took of these New York Times bestselling fantasy authors. So they let me dress them up and take photos of them for charity. And I do have some extra signed swag. So that's in my Etsy store. And then also those beautiful sun catchers those bookish themed sun catchers are also in my shop they're really fun they're a great kind of add-on to your book room if you don't have any wall space left it's kind of a nice way to get something else bookish themed uh, that's colorful and fun and brings a little bit of you know happiness to your to your window so you can definitely check all of that out and more on the ink feather shop on etsy all right now back to the interview it's really interesting. I'm just thinking about plotting too. Like for this for this new book for Smoke Bitten, um, you know, the story starts off kind of in a continuation almost like pick up straight from the last book. I mean, some time has passed. Yeah. A few weeks have passed, uh, but emotionally it's like uh, it's a it's a direct result of what happened at the end of the last book and right from the first chapter. And so obviously that's an overarching plot connection there. But then <laughs> there's also this unique like in this book, what is happening? There is a monster, and it has some connections to the past, or doesn't it? Or who is it? It's from the Fey world, or isn't it? We don't know. Is that hard for you as a writer to kind of navigate the plot points that are overarching versus like these one-time ones, or is it just like when you sat down to do this book, were you like, okay, I'm going to do this kind of boogeyman, and then incorporate this, or? No, yeah, so I, I'm
1: a character writer to start with which puts me in a weird position for these long running series. (laughs) Right. Um, But, but I can't, I have to start the story where I feel like the energy from the characters is coming from. And some stories, the, the character story for that cycle ends at the end of the book. So I'm thinking like um, uh, say Silverborn, Silverborn, you know, um, or, or Rivermark, those, those, those emotional journeys ended at the end of the book. Yeah. Um, but sometimes like with Iron Kiss, I, I, I ended it where I ended it. Bef- uh, I'm going to leave it that vague. I ended it where I ended it because it needed to have a happy place to end. It needed for people to feel like everybody was going to be
0: okay. Got you.
1: But in the real world, that was, you can't, they're not really okay. Like, you, you can't jump from a traumatic event yeah. and be perfectly and okay. Yes. So the next book started at that scene. And I just, the, the, the very beginning of the next book is the very last half, the, the half of the last chapter of the book before mm-hmm. so that I could pull things through so that it was more realistic. Yeah. So that it felt real. And that's what I try really hard to do is, is for me, the most important thing about my stories is that the characters feel real and everything else comes from there. So, um, and I feel like I like reading emotional stories. Um, it doesn't mean that's the only kind of story I like to read or the only kind of story I like to write. But for me, there has to be an emotional connection. So whether that's joy or pain or sorrow or whatever, there's, there's some big emotional hook in it so that I'm interested in the story Absolutely. because if I'm not interested in the story, I can't write it. So in, for Smoke Bitten, starting on the heels of, um, Stormcursed, Stormcursed had a lot of very emotionally impactful things that happened to both Mercy and Adam and also, um, well, everybody that participated in that. And because of that, I had to carry it through to the next book. Um, so that the important things don't happen off screen. One of the things, the great tragedies in the Lord of the Rings, which I love, I really love Lord of the Rings. But the fact that the Battle of the ants happened off stage mm. was ridiculous. That is, that is the most interesting scene in the whole, the, 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 where the ants come and they're battling uh, Saruman. That is an incredibly impactful battle. And we hear it third hand yeah. after the battle's over. You know, it's like, what were you thinking? Um, And not that I'm going to quarrel with a master much. I mean, he's, he's amazing. But But as a reader, you want that. Right. So it does keep me aware that I want to keep the really big emotional, impactful scenes on stage so people can see the ones that change you, the ones that make you, you the ones that uh, change relationships. Those things need to be on screen. Those things need to be on stage. And not just not just for my readers, but for me, too. Those are the ones that are fun to write.
0: <laughs> so, Well, I'm just sitting here thinking like um, one of the reasons I'm just as you're talking, listening to what you're saying and just thinking about why I enjoy this series so much. And it really is about Mercy's emotional journey at the end of the day, because of all of the ups and downs and her relationships and how she deals with them how she handles them because we're in her head and so we Mm -hmm. get to see how she handles everything and you're right like if I didn't if if we weren't dealing with those aftermaths in all the various ways whether that's her own personal issues and how she works them out or her concerns with her friends then it wouldn't you're right it wouldn't they wouldn't be the same stories and I don't know if readers would like them as much because yeah you're right I'm I'm yeah, I'm fascinated by this, you know, murdering spirit, smoke thing that's in this book. But it's also like, like you said, chapter one, like, what is going on emotionally with these characters that I love, I need to know, mm-hmm. I need to keep reading. And I want to, oh, and this other stuff's happening, which also, of course, complicates life, because that's why the book's good. Yeah. And you're like, oh, crap, I have to deal with you, but I can't because this is happening, or, you know, whatever. But it it, it does make it more enjoyable to read. So I mean, I I love that you at least acknowledge that too, in your process, that it's, that is the character driven first that you know and then you of course get to add in these fantastical elements that unfortunately aren't in our world or maybe fortunately depending on which <laughs> beasties you're looking at I guess um I mean I wish I could do magic I think most people who read it wish they could in some fash- fashion wouldn't but...
1: that be really fun and 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 at the same time it makes your life hell <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly so yeah. yeah you're right at the core it really is just Mercy and her relationships, and even little things like, you know, her dynamic with Stefan, we'll come back to him again, because he's such a, mm-hmm. he's such an interesting character, mm-hmm. and their relationship has evolved so much throughout this series, yes. and, yes. you know, to see, okay, well, here's where it's at, here's this thing that's uncomfortable, or and she kind of ignores it a little bit, but it's also there, and, like, we've seen how she's proceeded in the past, maybe we'll see it differently in the future, I don't know, but I'm curious, and that's going to keep me reading, too, so... Oh, well. And I
1: like it. I I have fun with um, Stefan, is how I usually say it, but I, I know it's been said, and I don't, okay, for the record, I really don't care how people say the names of the characters. It's not so important in the urban fantasy because they're real people's names.
0: I think I'm doing it like the audio, didn't she just call him Stefan? Yes.
1: Yeah, Stefan. yeah. And I usually say Stefan, but I would, and then I tell people, Stefan is how they would have said back in his era, mm, but he's sense. now in America. I really don't think he cares one way or the other. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, Aurelie is probably the only character that's hard for people, uh, for her namesake. And I just grabbed that because my husband had a friend whose name was Aurelie, and I made him teach me how to say it. <laughs> so mean... then I thought, ha.
0: I, I'm gonna inflict this on everybody else. I think it's very beautiful. I think it's incredibly beautiful. So I'm just trying to think how many people tripped over Hermione when they first read it. I know I did. Right? So right. you know I can say Hermione. You just figure Make it, it, it right? out. You know, you learn. <laughs> you do Yeah, Ariely's name, you're right. It is I've done since I've done mostly audiobooks and I got an, an advanced book of this. I was like, Oh Ariel, that's how right. it's like spelled and it like I had to like connect it in my head, you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Yeah. And it's the
1: Spanish pronunciation, so it's Arieli. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm no doubt I'm saying it quite. I'm not quite right either, but um, you know it's fun. Uh, See, we're talking about Stefan. So, so my fun thing about Stefan is that with he and Mercy, really, it's friendship, and it's a different kind of friendship than he than she and Warren have because um, the fun thing about writing first person is that it is a it is um, through Mercy's eyes. So I know things about the characters that are, that Mercy thinks are true that are not true. So Mercy thinks of Warren as her like her big brother, and she teases him. Uh, they're they best buddies, and she doesn't see any harm in him. He's the one she trusts most, and things, which is why when I wrote his his short story in Red with uh, uh, in Red with Pearls. Um, I have not read that, this. And that, I'm intrigued. Okay, I'm gonna this go is look it up when I get shadows. off the phone. <laughs> this is from Shifting Shadows. Okay. Um, then you get to see a little different side of him. He is he's not as goody you know, he couldn't be. There's no way he could survive in, in his circumstances if he were really as goody two shoes as Mercy thinks he is. But for Mercy he will be that way because it's important to him that she thinks of him that way. So these complex characters are really, this complex thing is a really fun thing for me. And it's, and, and it's something that having 12 books allows me to do. So with Stefan, there's a real friendship there that um, is really fun for me to explore because she is really afraid of vampires because she's not stupid. Mercy <laughs> is really afraid of vampires. Um, and... Stefan is really a vampire, and she goes back and forth about how much she trusts him and how much she can, but but at the end of the day, he is still her friend, and that gives me a lot of um, scene tension, a lot of story-driving energy to play with the, the um, relationship that they have.
0: Well, and it's if also, that no, that totally does. And it's also, I am I mean, the glaringly obviously one too is that Warren isn't into women and she is no. a woman. So there is a safety there right. emotionally, like you're not yeah. going to hit on me. You're not going to get gross. For sure, Like you, this is not a boundary. There's never that nebulous, like we're both straight. There's Could never, like never other?
1: any, right. There's never any tension, any, any, um, uh, sexual tension between yes. she and Warren. Yes. And Whereas there is, with, it evolves. There is a little sort bit. Of, yeah.
0: And it's, I mean, but again, it's, it, it, it is a friendship, but there you know, it just is how but that it's is. Something they
1: choose not to, they choose yeah. not to follow. Yeah. Right? right. And it, and it, and it, for me, that's true to real life too. Yes. I have a lot of guys who are friends of mine. Mm-hmm. That there's never any chance that we're going to go to bed together. Yes. It just is never going to happen. And um, but that there's there's some. It's a different relationship than it is with me and somebody that that we're just not. That's that, that um, for whatever reason. That's just not a uh, an anything that ever come up. Yeah. So it's it's just a it's just an interesting relationship for me to play with. And Stefan himself is such a great character because he learned ASL. Uh, you know, and it's that it was to me that was just kind of quintessential Stefan, that he would know how to talk about um, anime characters to this to to a deaf boy in ASL. Yeah, because that's just the kind of guy Stefan is. Yeah, I. And it ma- it makes him a very complicated and complex person. And I actually blame this all on um, a, a VW bus that I saw um you, you back saw a when I was the mystery mobile so this is there really was a mystery mobile so i'm driving my son to cbc all those years ago when i'm writing in the middle of writing moon called and i'm trying to figure out what in the freak that stefan drives it's got to be something that mercy fixes so that leaves it german right and um I was looking for Mercedes, and I thought, God, vampires driving black Mercedes like, or black on. BMWs. That it's is so really like- too cliche, right? <laughs> too cliche, That's just, like- and it's okay for Marsilia, but yeah. it's not okay for Stefan. And um, there it was, sitting in the parking lot at CBC, was this Volkswagen bus, 60s Volkswagen bus, um, painted to look like the Scooby-Doo Mystery Machine. Now, anybody who knows their, their cars will tell you that the original Scooby-Doo Mystery Machine was actually based on a Dodge van. So, um, but, um, this, it, it was so much fun. I thought that is perfect for this vampire. And that, and that one thing gave me the key into who Stefan is, mm. right? Yeah. Is, and, and why, and why he's different from all the other vampires.
0: Huh. Gosh, it's so, this is so much fun. I love, that's why I love talking to others because that's I'm like, super. I love these books and it's just fun to hear. I, I could talk
1: about my favorite oh my imaginary friends all day long. Because that's what I do for a living.
0: <laughs> 12 books and 14 years in, do the characters still surprise right? you? There are voices in your head? Ever? Absolutely.
1: Every day. Mercy, Mercy always does. I never know what she's going to do. <sighs> that's my favorite thing about her is I throw her in a situation. I go, oh, everybody else would do this, but Mercy's going to take a left turn at Albuquerque. And that's just that's just kind of quirky character she is. I mean, there's some predictable things that she will always try to do what she thinks is best for her friends. Uh, including, you know, kill herself (laughs) or put herself in terrible danger. I
0: was like, poor Um, Adam, poor Adam, her poor husband. Right?
1: Don't you? Don't you think that? I mean, um, but he and and for somebody who's dominant like that and raised in the 50s, my gosh, he has uh, he's turned himself inside out for her. He has turned himself inside out for her um, because she's that important to him and isn't that romantic right
0: yeah so i really like their dynamic especially because they do fight their instincts yeah and try to override their own issues to be with each other
1: and and my favorite little quirk is that mercy really loves it when she enrages him (laughs) she (laughs) thinks he's really sexy when he's mad and so uh, periodically she indulges herself and she just pisses them, them off basically <laughs> <Just> like- right because <laughs> because it's yeah but it, yeah. but that's the reason in in essence i mean that's the reason that their their relationship works because she trusts them to the point where she can enrage this this really scary werewolf and know he would never hurt her and that's what makes it work and that's what um that's why um Okay, we can do this because it's the first chapter. It's up on the. I was the, just it. about to that's say why, this. I know where you're going. Go that's why that that's why that little section at the very the first chapter, um, that 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 where she and Adam have that moment. That's why that's so important, right? Because the the relationship creaks there pretty good, <laughs> and um, I think part of it is when I write relationships between men and women, I go after. I really want it to feel like a real relationship, mm-hmm. especially one that when you're doing it over all of these books, right? Was it twelve books in fifteen years?
0: Something like so, that, yeah.
1: So, um, right, I, I'm not up to uh, JD Robb's uh, Nora Roberts's um, In Death series. I can't remember what number she's in, but she's 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 well into the 30s, I think. Wow. Uh, on this this uh her her romance between her two characters, which I think is lovely. They're really great books. I can highly recommend those too. Yeah, I have
0: not read uh, not this. that
1: anybody needs need, oh, Jeepers. Okay. Um in the in depth series, JD Robb, who is Nora Roberts writing uh science fiction light um huh. uh mysteries set in New York. Cool. And the main character, right? The main character, her name is Dallas and she's a. Uh, um um, well, she goes. She's a, she starts out as a police woman, and her romantic entanglement is with this uh, super billionaire, who's also a a um, criminal mastermind and a high tech expert. And their romance is wonderful. So to me, that's kind of the kind of thing that I want to do. I want I want to create a real relationship. And mm-hmm. since I have this many books over this many years, I have a chance to do that. Real people don't have perfect uh, perfect relationship I would have died with boredom if my husband and I had never fought I would have died with boredom um, and uh, and you and you you don't necessarily fight over things you fight over emotions mm-hmm. so you get yourself in, tied up into a ball about emotionally about something and then all it takes is somebody give you a little push and you blow up and you may not blow up at the right person, and you may not blow up for the right reason, but you blow up where there's – and, and, and you can use it as – it might be a safety valve. I can get mad at you because I know you'll still love me at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Or it might, be a, it might be a you hurt me here, and I just can't take anymore kind of thing. So – and it's important for people to know that those aren't – those are not relationship-ending problems. That's just part of nature of having a close relationship with somebody that you are willing to open yourself up to.
0: And even just with like how Mercy and Adam, you know, I think from the beginning, from the first book, we kind of see that he's interested in her, but it's not mm-hmm. like they're like "I love you" and they jump into bed in book one. It's not; it's mm-hmm. not how it happens. It is a slow, slow burn with them, and it. But I think that also feels very authentically real because she has genuine concerns, and they come up and slowly get addressed, and then it kind of the barriers strip away, and then it the relationship evolves, and it's it's mm-hmm. wonderful to read. Yeah. So, but again, oh, now good. that we're oh good, t- oh good, thank you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's really great, and it's great because like you said, now that we're 12 books in, there's still so much to play with in regards to the relationship. So yeah, it's really enjoyable. And I'm I'm really excited to um, have people read this newest kind of story with them. And I mean, obviously there's so much that happens in this book, but yeah, I mean, like you said, starting from the beginning and all your fans on your Facebook page were like, ah, but it's such an interesting right. dynamic to read in this book. Right. My, my favorite was the one who read it
1: and decided that I must, I must be emotionally ill.
0: <laughs> emotionally ill <laughs>
1: right that i had a that i must have had a mental breakdown but i would uh, do that to mercy. has
0: he read the other 11 books in the series yeah, right? i'm uh... just like
1: you know you know I, honey I, i'm going you would not like my stories if everybody if, if i could not write a story about everybody having a good day <laughs> if that's not a that's a wonderful place to be but that's not a good story it, it's,
0: no and it's not it's just not real yeah so Yeah,
1: yeah. Well and, and that's the other thing too is is um I am very grateful that people connect to the story strongly enough that they have an immediate visceral reaction to these. <laughs> because that's 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 quite flattering, yeah, right? It is. It's very flattering. And my imaginary friends are very happy.
0: <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Like you know, I wanted to have you on. Obviously, as an author, you have you know great reputa- representation in the world with of urban fantasy, and I was like, this should be really cool to interview. But I'm, I'm like, I'm a genuine fan. I love the Mercy books. I want to talk to her. I want to pick her brain. Like there are people, oh, thank you know, you. it is just it's really fun to. And I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to sh- to share this story with. Um, those out there who love these books as much as I do just to you know again it's just little insights into characters and just um you know especially now that the series is slowly evolving as you're as you're going like you said and just how you kind of create these new books and yeah we've got some really interesting things that happen in smoke bitten and I'm really um excited for people to read it yeah it's gonna be awesome it's really great um what are you working Thank on you
1: so I'm I'm working on the next alpha and omega okay wild sign is the new title and it takes place in Northern California. Um, uh, and it involves Leah. Um, and the first, the, the, my favorite thing is this that I'm, it's stupid, that's my favorite thing. So some, sometimes the favorite thing in the story is things that I'm doing structurally that I've never done before. So hmm. this one, the very first chapter of this book takes place before Burn Bright. And oh. it has, several characters that, that no longer exist at the end of burn. Well, one character that no huh. longer exists at the end of burn, Bright. So. We'll, we'll, well, right. So, yeah, so, um, so that's really fun is to bring that character back in and then I can do the subtle things that I like to do and people will know what I'm doing when I do it, which is really fun. Gotcha. <laughs> so, so I can give some subtle clues to who she is and, and well, there I gave it away. Um, but, um, but um, the and then it a helps bit with, basically the mm-hmm. earlier, the or the mm-hmm. yeah, and that's just a minor part of it. The other part is is the part I'm really excited about is that I get to tell people. And I always love it when I get to open up and tell people about the characters, the things that I know about them mm-hmm. that nobody else does.
0: So this one, <laughs> when you're finally I get like, tell you, more. you now know, oh my gosh, like get on, right, like, get you finally right. like, I don't have to hold this in anymore because I, I think right. that would drive me crazy exactly. as an author. I really do because I would just be like, when people are, like, saying that's, one thing and you know it's the other thing, you're just like, oh, I just want to be like, you're so wrong about them or whatever. Like,
1: that's that's why I could absolutely never, oh. ever write like Jim Butcher does. Oh, my gosh.
0: Because <laughs> yeah.
1: I would never be able. I can't keep secret. My friends know better. I tell them. I say never tell me anything that you want to be kept a secret. <laughs> and if you do, you tell me that you want it to be kept a secret. And I will forget about it. Oh, man. And you can't be mad about me forgetting about it because that way I don't open that's my mouth That's how you and don't talk out. about it
0: so it's well those are your options either i share it or i forget (laughs) so i
1: don't my my husband was awesome if you told him a secret he would never tell anybody it just never would come out by word or deed or or even expression but me yeah i Um, I just forget it's a secret and it just comes because i have no secrets in my life it just comes right out
0: (laughs) i'm like you
1: (laughs) but but anyway so i get to talk about more about who Leah is How she and Bran ended up together. Very cool. Why it was important, and and um, hopefully people will like her a little better. She and Mercy are never going to be good friends. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. And I don't think she and Charles will ever be good friends. But I think readers should know that she has got a little more depth than. There's more um, than just
0: this kind of right, right. Wife. Right.
1: There's a lot of really great people out there that I can't be in the same room with because we just don't
0: get along. <laughs> it is just that's, right? That's some truth right so. there. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you can't appreciate who they are. And that's really cool. That'll be great to kind of get more insight. And that's what I love you have these kind of coinciding series because there's so many interesting and complex characters that you just can't dig into in the Marcy books. It's just like, I'm just like an all-you-can-eat cafe. I can go in and pick anything I want and take
1: just exactly as much as I want to and go on. And I hope readers feel the same way. The, uh, the one thing I do want to say here is, because I hear it all the time, is to let people know that as far as I know, I have no end plans for either series. I will stop writing them when I get tired of them, or you do. I will not write a Mercy book or an Alpha and Omega book when I am tired of them. I might go off and write something else for a while and come back to them. But so far, after 12 years and uh, well, 15 years and 12 books in the Mercy series, and I think there's, I lose track in the Alpha and Omega because it didn't help that I started with a a, um, a novella. I think there's five or six books. Yeah, now I was to gonna six sounds right,
0: but I'm not sure either. I didn't six count. Six sounds those right. Ones. Six
1: sounds right too, but I'm not really I yeah. I lost track of the number I, in fact I have to keep looking up to see which one I'm at in the mercy book because after about three it doesn't matter to me anymore. It's a long running series. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> but, yeah. but I just I um I I might come and go, but I'm never uh, so far I have never been bored. So
0: I wanted to ask, um who is your favorite character to write in this smoke bitten? Does it is it always mercy or um, do you have like a like is it always like, oh this one is particularly fun this time?
1: So some of the Mercy books, because I tell them all from first person, I always feel like like, you know, um that Mercy of course is my favorite character to write about. Uh, for me, the thing that made this this uh, uh smoke bitten really fun to write is I got to show Remind people just how scary Adam is, I think um, it's because we see him through mercy's eyes all the time that um, that sometimes it's really easy to f- forget that werewolves are monsters and that they are scary and that they are dangerous and they're dangerous the people they love and they're dangerous the people who hang out with them and um, and so this was that was really fun for that, and I also thought it was fun because um, in this book you see that all the werewolves aren't good guys. Mm. Um, it's really in the Mercy series and the Alpha Mega series because they're told from the viewpoint of people who are friendly with the werewolves. You get how scary the vampires are. You get how scary the fae are. Sometimes, sometimes I think people um, forget that the werewolves are scary too, and that's part of for me the magic of urban fantasy is that you get to kind of delve your hand. I get to delve my hand in kind of deep water, and yeah. that's fun.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, Adam. Adam does have an interesting, uh, interesting path in this book. But no, there's obviously a lot more that happens. And you know, like we kind of hinted at, it's funny, we've only really talked character based stuff, but there really is a creepy, nebulous monster killing people in this book. And it's kind of an interesting story to figure out what exactly is happening and how how it can be stopped and what the repercussions of it are. Um, and it makes it for really the combination of those two things make it for really good reading. So this was a really fun book to read. Oh, good. I'm Thank you. I had so much fun. And I, I the, some of the fun things about this book um, were,
1: I think the question of who the monster in the book is. Yes. Is really good too.
0: Absolutely. Who's
1: the scariest monster in the book. Right. And yes. I, I think that depends on who you are. You yeah,
0: that is Absolutely um, I think, valid.
1: Um, I can tell you who Mercy thinks was the scariest monster, but <laughs> your mileage might vary.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's valid um, for sure. Um, before we go, I always like to ask authors if they've read anything good recently. Frankly, this. Half of this interview has been plugging amazing urban fantasy book series. So like I need to just make a list because there's also a few in there that you mentioned that I have on my list, but I haven't started, which is so funny because sometimes I'm like, oh, I just need a new urban fantasy series. Like what's a good one that I know I'm going to like? And like, I just, I haven't read a few of them. So so there's a couple you've mentioned that I'm like, oh, "Oh, I need to dig into. But is there anything recently that you've read that you really liked and would recommend? Well, well, Jim, Jim Butcher's Peace Talks is that's not um, fair we can't read that right now (laughs) right (laughs) nanny nanny boo boo Uh,
1: um oh uh and bishop's new book is amazing and i love it it goes back to the old the Dark Jewel series. It came out. It, you should be able to go get it. It came out, I think Tuesday, last Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. Cause she's, we're a week offset. We usually do the book signing tours together, which is amazing. Cause she's one of my favorite writers That's really and cool. she's one of my favorite people in the world. She's just a wonderful person, hmm. but her books are, they just, ah, uh, I can't, they're, I, they're unbelievably good. And the fact that she went back and did some more dark, dark jewel books is just amazing. Uh, let's see.
0: So that one, Peace Talks. No, that's, that's, I was teasing you about Peace Talks. A lot of authors often recommend advanced copies of things they, that come out later this year. Okay. And it's just okay. a good, it is just a good thing to remind us that, you know, guess what? The next Harry book I, is as good as we're hoping it is.
1: Right. I love my agent so much. And, or not my agent, my editor. Well, I love my, well, I loved my agent. Um, I'm my own agent now. I love my editor. And Sowers is amazing. And one of the most, but, but one of the most fun things about it is that, She's also Jim Butcher's editor, so I get those early. Um, I love Charlene Harris. Charlene Harris's um, uh, new series, the Texas one, the, uh, the kind of yes, I just they make me so happy. They're kind of a little bit of. A little bit of steampunk, a little bit of alternate history, a little bit of urban fantasy, and they're just wonderful. And, of course, they have her wonderful characters on there. They're um, terrific. I seem, for some reason, to be totally... um title impaired i can't think of i was really happy i remembered peace talks was <laughs> and it took me the whole interview to remember what the title of that was um that's okay it took me a while to remember the title of my new book <laughs> hey, oh, all right. we're, we're all in we're all we're all in we're all in good shape oh you know what i read um this was not this is not urban fantasy at all that's okay. but I it doesn't have to be it. okay so I highly recommend Lois McMaster Bujold to anybody. And I've been kind of on a Bujold kick lately and rereading all of her, um, the five gods series, which was uh curse, curse of Shalian. Um, uh, just finished Paladin of Souls again, which won the Nebula and the Hugo award and oh. also world fantasy award. Wow. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> a wild hunt is the third one in that series. And then she has a series of novellas and Bane just um, released uh penrick's demon which is the first three of those novellas and they're really awesome i highly recommend her to anybody uh, and of course her um her iconic series is the uh the corsican series uh, um the one about miles the and his and then the two prequels about his mom they're really she just can't write a bad book i mm. love her stuff
0: wow that's actually a lot of good recommendations um Okay, yeah, super. it's great. I mean, it's I'm always I'm always just curious what authors are reading too, even if it's like a lot of times people don't read in their own genres when they're writing it and blah blah blah. So it's fun to hear, I, I, you know. Yeah,
1: I I just read
0: anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
0: well, I'll be honest, I read anything, and it's I was gonna say this is a sci fi fantasy podcast because. I pretty much exclusively read sci-fi fantasy. I have kind of, you know, being 39, almost 40, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm too old to force myself to read genres that I don't love. I will read the occasional light romance, but like, this is what I love, which is why this podcast is what it is. But that doesn't mean that all the listeners only like sci-fi fantasy. So I love hearing when authors, you know, just what you guys enjoy, something that you would recommend that captivated you. So, yeah. And I, I'm I'm a big proponent, and I think that there are good stories and not good stories.
1: And that if you get a good story, it doesn't matter what genre. Yeah. And you just happen to have a encountered more stories that you like in this genre or the other. Or, or they kind of were more to your taste. But, um, yeah. I used to, as a, when, when I was younger, I don't do it so much anymore cause imposing my will upon my friends is not as important as <laughs> it used to be. Uh, but I used to, I have a few, had a few romances that I would, um, give to my science fiction fantasy readers and make them read so that they <laughs> started reading more romances. And I had some science fiction books that I would recommend to my, I only read, you know, I think, uh, but I think that a good book is a good book.
0: Yeah, I just—I don't know—something about magic for me, or just you know, something that is not contemporary is what I tend to prefer. So, but. I think I, I think
1: all the expected genres do this really cool thing if they take you out of the world you're living in, mm-hmm. and they let you experience something. There's a new. There's a oh, there's a, a sense of wonder is what what it's been coined is, is the coined phrase. Yeah, and I think that that's that's um, a really fun thing. I agree. A really fun thing about the about about the speculative fiction as a whole that science fiction, fantasy, and horror.
0: Ex- I agree totally. Awesome, Patty. This was great. What a great chat, Lauren. Thank you so much. I had, I love sitting down with friends and talking about books. <laughs> it really is. I mean, I feel like I'm like, did we even talk about this book at all? We, saw, I mean, we talked about the series, so I feel like <laughs> we it was did. a good we did. a good dig. in. no, I mean, it was. I wanted to talk the broad strokes anyways, because I've never had you on. And, and it's, um, you know, 12 books in if somebody's listening to this and they've never read the series, I wanted them to feel like they could still get something out of it and, you know, get a little insight into what it's like to write a long running urban fantasy series and how you handle that. Thank you. Thank you. And I, and I think, you know, um, just to speak to that a little bit is if you
1: haven't read any of my books, I do think reading it from the beginning is best. But the, the way the books are written, the way the stories are written, they're complete in each book. So you can pick up one of my books. Um, There's a couple of exceptions, but this one is not one. Um, um, Although maybe you want to pick up Storm Curse first. I would say,
0: yeah, because even I remind, like I started, I was like, oh, I want to really remember what happened. And I actually did. (laughs) What I did was I I listened to the... um, like the beginning and end of every chapter just to kind of refresh what <laughs> happens in the previous audiobook, just like the, a minute or two, like, okay, what happened again? Cause I read it only a few months ago, but I wanted it fresh, fresh, fresh. Um, I think, yeah. And I think uh, this, this one,
1: it kind of feels in a way, I think maybe that this is the smoke that is almost the third book of the, of the trilogy that started with um, actually the alpha and mega story burn book, burn bright. And then, um, Stormcursed and then this Smoke one. Bitten. Yeah. It's it, it each of them have a story that's complete in themselves. And certainly you can read um the, the Stormcursed and Smoke Bitten without reading Burn Bright. But Burnbright is the start of the story that can uh, of the villain's story that continues into mm-hmm. um uh, Stormcursed and then kind of we deal with some of the aftermath in uh Smoke Bitten. Although the Smoke Bitten has its own story.
0: Yeah, no, totally. And now, now
1: I've been sufficiently con- confusing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, I would agree. I mean, the series, it, I just think part of the fun of it is, you know, like you said, they're returning home to these familiar people and, um, you know, seeing who's who's represented and how. And There's a power to reading something that
1: you've invested some time in, both as a reader and a writer. I'm, I'm reminded of watching Game of Thrones. Um, now I did not watch it on TV. I think George Martin is a master. He's amazing, but I have to wait till he's through with the series and I read the last, I'm going to read the last mm. hundred pages of the last book so I can see who survived so I can go back <laughs> and reread the thing. But the, uh, and the, um, the show, the, the, uh, HBO show was too harrowing. I just, I would get, if I watched three or four episodes in a row, I'd get depressed. So I just kind of held off, but I was at a friend's house and i was when they were watching the the not the last well the last um episode of the second to last season in which one of the characters gets one of the villains who's been a villain through the whole series through years of the whole series uh, as it's come up in and it i just felt like the whole universe took a deep breath <laughs> it was a really amazing and i had not watched it but just in the presence of my friends, but it felt like it was bigger than that. Like the mm-hmm. whole universe took a deep breath when that one character got, got his come up and the last. It was like justice is finally dang served. And then in, in George Martin's world, you learn to take, take comfort in those moments
0: when you can. Right? Uh, yeah. But,
1: but that was something that you could not have had in a single movie or, uh, you know, or even a, a series that lasted a year. That was something that had built up over years of people's, uh, you know, uh, tension that he had, he and the writers of that show had pulled together so that when it finally happened, it was huge. And you can't do that in a single book. You have to have a series to do
0: that. Yeah. Wow, it's been um, like I said. It was really fun revisiting these beloved characters in this book and kind of going through their emotional journeys, and also seeing, you know, what nebulous, dubious monster things are happening. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how else I'm trying to be vague, you know, like because it is vague, right, right, You're right. Sort of like right, what's right. happening here? Who's right? There's a, there's a smoke monster. What does that even mean? Like, you know, like, <laughs> right? So, yeah. So to experience that is great, but um, but yeah, Penny, thanks. This was really fun.
1: Thank you very much, Laura. I really appreciate this. And I had a ball. This was really
0: fun. I'm glad. Thanks, guys, for listening. Um, Check us out in two weeks when we have another new episode. We'll be back then. Bye. Bye.